Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have part 15 in our series on the Gospel of John. This message will be delivered by uh, our very own Mike Manifold, part of our teaching team in North Shore Vineyard. The title of this message is Living a Number Two Life in a Number One World. So, Let's head on over to downtown Covington, North Shore Vineyard for the talk. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out at northshorevineyard.org for updates on all things North Shore Vineyard. Picking up, I guess, kind of where we've been, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about Jesus healing you know, the fellow by the pool. And kind of just to, to bring us back to where we've been um, She's way back before we did the picnic at the park. So this fellow has been sick all his life. He's 38 or so years old. He's, you know, gathered around his pool along with a bunch of other sick folks. And he's there, and Jesus walks up to him and says, you know, without really any kind of introduction, he says, do you want to be healed? You know, do you, do you want to leave this life that you're in, you know, this whole community of sick people that you're in? Do you want to be healed from that? You know, and... A reasonable question, and kind of as we talked about back when we were talking about this fresh, you can get used to being in that sick place. You know, you can get used to kind of being in the middle of all that. Um, and kind of like, you know, kind of like Jesus did with Peter, where he walked up and said, hey, drop the nets, drop your poles, come with me, I'll make you a fish or a man. You know, he kind of comes up and interrupts this man's life. So the healing happens. You know, Jesus says to him, pick up your mat and get out of here. And um, off he goes. And as he's walking along, he comes across um, some Jews who basically chew him out for carrying his mat. You know, say, don't, don't you know this is the Sabbath? You're not supposed to be doing all this. I mean, forget the fact you've been crippled and sick all these years. You, you kinda, you're supposed to be, you know, honoring the Sabbath. And so, you know, kind of picking up where we are today, the, the Jews chase Jesus down and they start to, you know, chew him out basically for healing this guy on the Sabbath. And it'd be really neat if we had the passage that we were going to talk about, but <laughs> apparently we don't. So, <laughs> um, we're in John four. So as they come to him, Jesus gives them this answer, and he says, "Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself; he can only do what he sees his Father doing." Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these, so that you'll all be amazed. It's kind of a neat passage, you know. I guess when, when, you, when you look at that, and the authority of the Son, you know, he says, I'm only doing what I see my Father doing. I'm only doing what he shows me to do. He shows me all this stuff because he loves me. And y'all are going to see even greater things than this. I think he kind of goes through, you know, that, that whole I'm obedient thing. I think he goes through that whole thing because, you know, I don't, people aren't naturally obedient. They don't naturally do what, what they're told to do. I mean, you, you think about kids. You know, you got to kind of train kids to, to do what they're told. And even if you're doing a good job as a parent, when you tell a kid, you know, hey, um, don't touch that. The first thing they do is they go over and they touch it to see what you're going to do. You know, um, as we get older, you know, we learn to make decisions and we're kind of encouraged to make decisions. 
you know, it's kind of part of our maturing process. But it's funny because somewhere along the way, it seems like the tone kind of changes. Like, you know, it, it, at one age, you're growing and learning as you're making decisions. But then somewhere that kind of twists into the whole, but don't let anybody tell you what to do. You know, and it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And I think Jesus knows this, which is kind of why he takes us through this thing and, and you know, kind of talks about obedience. You know, when you think about obedience, it's got a lot of negative connotations to it. You know, like when you think about obedience school, okay, like obedience school for dogs. It's really, it's almost like a double failure, you know, because you've got a dog that's so bad that he won't listen, and you as an owner are so bad you can't figure out what to do on your own, you know, so you, you kind of, if you really get to the point where you, you got no other options, you'll think about sending a dog to obedience school. And if you've never been to obedience school, um, and I'm an obedience school dropout, if you've never been to obedience school, you kind of think it's, it's shock collars for dogs and paddles and all, and it's really, it's got nothing to do with that. If anything, it, it's kind of more training for, you know, for the folks who have dogs in terms of how to communicate with them. But still, you know, like I say, it's got this whole obedience school thing. It's got all these negative connotations. Kind of, I guess, obedience along the same lines. It's kind of like, remember life back before GPSs? You know, and uh, either somebody would write directions down for you or they'd give you the directions and you'd try to write them down. And then you'd be following these directions as best you could. And sometimes you'd make it. Sometimes you get to a point where, okay, I'm lost. You know, and so you back up to the last landmark you can remember and you kind of start fresh and you're still lost. You know, and if it really breaks down to the point to where you got no other option, you stop and get directions. You know, but it's kind of like that's, again, that's kind of the last resort kind of a deal. Um, or something that I know, and I don't know, I guess the, the older I get, the more I really don't like it. You know, Christmas, where you've always you got something you've got to put together or whatever. You've got this thing that you bought, and it's, you know, those, those words that strike fear into your heart, some assembly required, you know, and you, and you start putting the stuff together. And I don't know about y'all, but typically, you know, I would start putting it together because, you know, I can put this together. I can just look at it and see how it's got to go together, right? And so I put it together, and I get about three-quarters of the way through it, and I realize this bolt's too short because I should have used it over here and used this bolt over there, you know, and... I'm 45 years old. Probably about three years ago, I decided to start. I was going to start reading the directions on the front side rather than on the back side. Seemed like it was faster. Seemed like it went a little bit easier. Um, really kind of changed my life. <laughs> the frustration, though, that would really come with directions is, like, sometimes I would read it, and I just wouldn't get it. You know, like, I, I would read it, and I just really couldn't visualize what the directions were, were telling me to do. And it would really almost be more frustrating than just trying to battle through it on my own. But I found this neat thing about two years ago. YouTube. It's really cool. You go on there and you can put, you know, I don't know. Um, like I like guns, right? I'll, I'll buy a gun. And the first thing you do when you buy a gun, you've got to break it down and clean it and all that. And so I'd buy a gun. I'd be on the counter laying it out. And I got the directions and I'm looking at it. And I can't either I can get it apart and I can't get it back together or I can't get it to come apart. But if I go on YouTube and I type, you know, 1911 Springfield, uh, cleaning, you know, disassembly directions, I'll get five or six videos I can go look at. It'll kind of take me through it step by step. And I get that. You know, I, I do much better if I can see it as opposed to, to reading it. It's funny, you know, Jesus, and he was a, he was a human, right? He comes, he comes to life as a man. So he knows we think like this. 
You know, I think this is kind of how, you know, when, when he would spend time with the disciples, sometimes he'd tell them what he was going to do, and sometimes he'd show them what he was going to do. You know, and I think in, in this situation, this is kind of a show-and-tell kind of a deal because, you know, he's, as he's running through this, this healing process and as he's explaining it, you know, to the Jews who come after him, he says, you know, I'm only doing what my father shows me to do. You know, he, he loves me and he shows me these things. And so I'm, I'm doing as I'm told. I'm obedient. You know, that obedience thing, it doesn't just come with dogs and it doesn't just come with directions, whether you're trying to get somewhere or you're, you're trying to, to take something apart or put something together. You know, that obedience, at least for me, it, it, that, I guess that was, a, that was a hard part of or a, a part of, you know, learning spiritual obedience, you know, and, and I guess, you know, I've been a Christian for about 10 years, okay? Um, I didn't grow up doing this thing at all. This is kind of a different deal for me. But about seven years ago, something like that, I'm off at this men's retreat. And, you know, me and a bunch of guys end up at Solomon. And, you know, we're doing, guys, cool. we, we're doing the men's retreat deal. And uh, there's this part of it where they say, okay, look, we want you guys to go off in the woods and spend some time kind of praying and just kind of talk to God and see what he wants you to do. So I'm doing what I'm told, right? I go off in the woods and I'm praying and I'm, you know, and I'm uh, asking God, okay, you know, look, you know, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to do what you tell me to do. Tell me what it is you want me to do. And God says to me, well, are you going to listen? I was like, ooh, that kind of hurts, you know, because really any answer but yes there says, I don't know, it kind of depends. You know, am I going to like it or am I not going to like it? And it kind of, I don't know, I guess it really, it just kind of made me think, you know. It, it really made me, it just kind of made me think, because I mean, that, that's kind of my values, and that's kind of what I was running through. When I would hear something like that, I would run through this whole, well, I don't know, where's it going to take me thing? Kind of what's it going to do? How do I like what I'm being told? You know, I guess just to say this, you know, when I first started going to church again as an adult, and I'd hear people talk about the idea of, you know, God said this, and I heard that. It used to kind of make me angry, you know, or, or not, I mean, I don't know if it was angry, but there was a part of it that just kind of ran against the grain for me, you know, and, and, and people would, you know, when I would hear them say that, I would kind of think, I guess on one hand, kind of, well, that's kind of pretentious, you know, I mean, really? God stopped what he was doing and spoke to you, you know? And then maybe, I don't know, maybe when I wasn't, thinking about it from that side of it, I would think in terms of, why don't God talk to me? You know, what, what am I doing wrong? Or, you know, is there, does he not want to talk to me or what? It's kind of, a, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird thing that I, that I, I ran through. And I remember the, the first time that I heard God talk to me, actually I was driving across the causeway, coming from the South Shore, and I don't, I, I know I was coming from church, I don't know if I was coming from Alpha or I was coming from church or what, but, um, I was thinking about whatever they'd been talking about, they were talking about the Ten Commandments. So I was thinking about the Ten Commandments and kind of running through that. And uh, I was thinking, and it was about coveting, you know, and I'm thinking about coveting. And I'm thinking about, you know, the whole thou shalt not covet. And I'm thinking, you know, well, yeah, because you're always looking at what the other guy's got. And, you know, I kind of heard this voice say, yeah, you're never going to be happy with what you have. I was like, yeah, that's right. 
Where'd that come from? <laughs> it was, was kind of weird because I don't hear voices, you know. But it, it, it was kind of weird, you know. But it was neat, too, because once I realized it for what it was, it was really, I don't know, it was just, it, it's like a, it's kind of like that, that passage where they talk about, you know, the sheep know the sound of the, sh- of the shepherd's voice. I knew it for what it was, you know. And I guess the, you know, the, the, the second time that, that I, I got a taste of that, actually I was on the causeway again. I was driving to work this time. And I'm driving to work one morning and I'm praying or whatever. And, you know, as I'm praying, I don't know, I make some kind of joke and I really feel like I heard God laugh, you know. And it was, and it was really, it was kind of neat. It, uh, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when you go to tell something like that, when you go to talk about something like that, I know it loses something in translation. I mean, because I think God, that's kind of how God likes to talk to us. He, he likes to talk to us kind of one-on-one, kind of, you know, intimate, you know, and, and kind of share something with you. And it's, it's really, I mean, he does crowds too, obviously, but I think he also likes that one-on-one time, kind of quiet when nobody else is involved. But... Uh, I don't know, you know. I mean, when it when it comes to, you know, to to hearing God, you know, it, it kind of somewhere along the way I kind of realized, um, like if I went to the doctor the way I typically prayed, right? Because, well, if I went to the doctor and talked to the doctor the way I would typically talk to God in prayer, I'd I'd run in. Hey, Doc, thanks for seeing me. I really appreciate it. Look, let me tell you, my knee hurts. All right, I got this pain back here. I think I'm getting a kidney stone. Sometimes when I'm chewing, I get this weird cracking noise in my jaw, and, man, my ears are ringing all the time. All right, I got to go. I'll see you. And off I'd run, you know, without letting the doctor have a time, any time to tell me, you know, kind of what he thought about what I was saying. You know, I realized that was kind of my prayer life, too. Anyway, just, just to say all that. Um, Getting back to talking, you know, listening to, listening to God's directions, you know, and kind of that whole idea of spiritual obedience. You know, the, the obedience thing, and it, it really, it's kind of funny the way it played out for me because, like, I don't have obedience issues. I really don't. I don't have authority issues. I mean, at work, I'm like the model employee, you know. I mean, if they tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If they tell me, you know, I want a three-year marketing plan to, la- to launch this new product, man, that's great. I can bang that out and they tell me, hey, you know what, the toilet overflow, we got to mop the bathroom floor. Hey, I'm good with that too, whatever. It, it's all work. I don't really care, you know. Um, but I'd run through that whole, you know, are you going to listen thing, you know. Well, kind of depends, you know. And it was, it was kind of a breakdown there. So I'm at this Bible study. I guess this was about three years ago, four years ago, something like that. And we're doing, uh, we're doing this worship thing before we're doing it or as we're doing it, or whatever. And the whole time we're doing worship, I'm hearing Malachi, you know, in my head. Malachi. And I knew that was a book in the Bible. Um, That's as much as I really knew about it. And really, the only reason I knew it was a book in the Bible is because when my oldest boy was playing baseball, there was a kid on the team named Malachi, right? And I remember telling one of the other parents, that's kind of a strange name. And they said, yeah, yeah, what's from that book in the Bible? I'm like, Oh, yeah, that book in the Bible. Sure. <laughs> so when I heard that, you know, when I heard that at the Bible study that night, I, I did what I guess all us good Christians do now. Is as I drove home, I was reading it on my phone, right? <laughs> Driving with my knee and reading it on my phone. And I really, I don't know what it was, I really don't know what it said. You know, I really don't know what, what, what it said in there. But, you know, what I felt like God said to me in that was, 
why don't you listen to me the way you listen to your boss? You know? Why don't you show me the same level of respect that you show your boss? And that hurt. I mean, it, but, it was, but it was true. I mean, it really was. It was, it was really true. And I guess, you know, hearing it that way, um, hearing it that way, frankly, the second time, it really kind of got up into my head, you know, and it really made me think about, you know, was this going to be something I was going to kind of pay attention to or was this something I was going to do? You know, was, was I going to allow, well, was I going to be obedient, you know, or was I going to keep trying to put the thing together without reading the directions, getting halfway into it and realize I'd made a mess out of it? You know, was I going to let... Was I going to let God tell me what to do? You know, I guess the way, so what does that obedience thing really look like? Well, on the one hand, I guess it's, you know, it's, uh, maybe you'd read, you know, um, you're supposed to forgive your enemies, okay? And so you read it, and you're going to go be obedient to it, and you do it, and your enemies are confused. They don't know what's going on. I mean, I know, how to, I know how to go get revenge. I'm real good at that. I did that for 30-something years, right? I know how to do that thing. Uh, but, you know, you, you do it, and the people around you are like, how can you let him do that to you? You know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fight that. And it, it was kind of, it's, it's really kind of neat, because, you know, if, you, if you're being obedient, you don't have to worry about what he thinks. You don't have to worry about what the people around you think. You really don't even have to worry about what you think, you know, because you're being obedient. You're doing what you're told to do. And that kind of takes a lot of the other stuff off the table. Obedience might look like, say, reading about um, David and all the ups and downs of David's life, right? And, you know, he kind of a, well, he... He had a lot of ups and downs, you know, and, and did some bad stuff. And, and, you know, when he would recognize that he'd done these bad things, he'd repent. He'd ask God for forgiveness. And it was that relationship that he had with him that made God call him a man after his own heart, in spite of all these other things that he had done. You know, but I guess obedience with that is, is reading that and, and feeling like, okay, so kind of the same is true for me. You know, I mean, if I, if I repent about it, if I ask God forgiveness about that, he's going to forgive me, you know, and kind of believe in those promises that God gives me. You know, sometimes, sometimes that obedience looks a little bit different, you know, like say some, you know, uh, so you're getting gas, right? Well, let me not get into that real quick. Um, you know, the, I guess with the obedience... And the way the obedience thing kind of can play out, too, is, like, you'll see somebody, right, and you, you know they need help. Obedience is waiting for God to tell you what he wants you to do, as opposed to trying to jump into it and figure out, you know, what am I supposed to do here? It's kind of more, hey, God, what do you want me to do in this? You know, how do you want me to, how do you want me to behave in this? You know, what do you, what do you need me to do? I mean, I see this guy, he's got, he's sick, whatever, you know. Sure, the grass is growing. You want me to go cut the grass, or is there something else you want me to do? You want me to just go talk to him, you know, and kind of really listen and to see what it is that, that God wants you to do up in that. Um, sometimes it may look like, you know, and, you, and you're getting gas, and God says, hey, go buy that lady gas, you know, and so, okay. So you go over there and you say, um, Ma'am, um, God's telling me I'm supposed to be buying you some gas here, so is that okay? 
yeah, it's okay. So you go to do that, and, and then your credit card doesn't work, right? <laughs> so you try it again, and she's looking at it like, what's going on? And so you kind of run out of that, and you figure, all right, well, let me go into the office. And so you go into the office, and you say, like, i got to get gas on pump six. It's not taking my card. Well, yeah, because you're already getting gas on pump five. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm, i got to get it on pump six, too. And kind of running, running through that, you know, and... And that lets you see God's got a sense of humor too, you know. But, <laughs> but it's you know it, it's funny because as you're doing that, you know, and, and as I say, you know, when when you first hear that thing and you're thinking, you know, what's going to happen? Is she going to laugh at me, or you know, what? How's this thing going to play out? You got all these fears about what's going to happen, but they never really manifest themselves that way. I mean, I, you know, God's not looking to set you up to be a fool. You know, He's He's looking to kind of grow you out of your comfort zone, and He does. You know, and I think that that's, you know, kind of what what's Jesus is talking about, you know, in the passage when he says, you know, I'm, I'm only doing, you know, what it is that I'm, that I'm told to do. I'm, I'm doing what my dad shows me to do because he loves me. That's why he shows me these things. And you're going to see even greater things than these, and you're going to be amazed by it, you know. And, and I think that that's kind of how, you know, God grows us in our obedience is, is when we're obedient in little things. You know, when we're obedient in little things, he, he, he allows us to, and, and knows that he can trust us to do more, and he kind of grows us past some of our objections that we have. And it kind of it grows like that, you know. It kind of grows like that. We, we grow in our obedience, kind of step by step. And it's not like, okay, so there's a lady, right? She needs the gas. It's not like if I chicken out, and say, I'm not going to do it, or whatever. Maybe I just pretend I can't hear it. Or I look at my phone or whatever I'm doing and kind of just ignore that whole cry. It's not like God's up in heaven saying, now what am I going to do, you know? That's going to get taken care of. God's going to take care of that. It's not you're going to go mess God's plans up by not, by not being obedient, but you miss that chance, you know? You, you miss that opportunity to go be a part of what he had going on. I remember years back, Beth and I were doing this class, and, and the, real, the, the real premise of that whole class was uh, when you see God's work, when you see God working in somebody's life, that's his invitation to you to jump in and come alongside. You know, and it, it's, it's kind of a neat way to look at it because it's like sharing a moment. You know, it's kind of like when he laughed at my joke. You know, it, it's sharing a moment with him that if, if I wasn't listening or I wasn't being obedient, I wouldn't get a chance to share. So Jesus says, you know, I'm telling you the truth here. I only do what my father tells me to do. I only do what he shows me. And he shows me all these things because he loves me. And even greater things are going to happen. You know, you're going to be amazed by it. I think he runs through that to tell us that and to show us that because... He knows how we think. He knows how we're wired. And he knows that, you know, that that's, that's how it grows. You know, as I was putting this thing together, um, and it would really help if we could actually read it on the screen, but anyway, as I was putting this thing together, you know, I felt like there was something missing from it, you know? It, like there was a piece of it that, I don't know, like there was just something that was kind of left unsaid. And... Um, I kept kind of looking through it and trying to figure out what the heck I was missing. And then, you know, this morning I woke up about 5, 
And, uh, and I was laying in bed kind of thinking about this and praying about it, and, and I realized kind of what it was. As you read this passage, you know, it says, the son can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these, so that you'll be amazed. Those are all present tense verbs. He's not talking about something that happened. He's talking about something that is happening. You know, he, he's not talking about what God told him yesterday. He's talking about what God's telling him right then. You know, right then. It, uh, I think that really all we're supposed to remember about yesterday is that God showed up, that he was a part of it. But past that, it's kind of like, you know, the way Jesus would heal people. You know, sometimes it'd be as simple as pick up your mat and get out of here. Other times he'd put his fingers in their ears. Other times he'd spit and he'd make mud, you know, and rub it on their eyes or whatever. But it, was, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like a formula. It wasn't like, you know, this is healing plan number 683. It was always different because it was always fresh, you know, and he wasn't so caught up into, and I really don't think that he would... He would walk up on a situation and say, blind guy, blind guy. Last time I had a blind guy, I was supposed to do this. He'd say, what do you want me to do? And then he would go and he would do it. And I think that sometimes, you know, we kind of become guilty of that same thing is, you know, we, we get up into something or we're, we're around somebody who needs help. And rather than stopping and saying, God, what do you want me to do in this? We say, well, you know, the last time I was in this, God had me do X, Y, and Z, so I better go and do that. It's kind of neat, you know, when you're right there in, in the moment with God, when, you, when you're right there in the present tense with God, well, you're just, you're right there, you know, and I think that that's, you really can hear him, you know. You really can. If, if, if you listen, you know, and you actively work to listen like that, I think you, you really, you can hear him with that. It's funny, too, you know, because the other thing that, I guess kind of occurred to me thinking about it this morning was, you know, thinking back to my retreat and that whole, are you going to listen thing? And I really was kind of focusing on the whole, are you going to listen? And that, 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 that kind of value judgment had me make in my heart, but I also felt as if and, and feel as if, you know, a big piece of it started with, and I'm thinking about this vision meeting we got coming up Tuesday. It started with asking him, what, you know, or telling him, hey, what do you want me to do? You know, asking him, hey, talk to me. You know, that was a big piece of the deal. I think kind of just recognizing that, you know, and, and, and speaking out for that and, and asking God to come, giving him that permission, you know. And I think that, you know, the first part of it is giving him permission. Second part of it is, okay, so what are you going to do with it once he, once he talks to you about it? But, you know, it kind of starts with that whole permission thing. So, I don't know. You know, I know I'm, I'm kind of beating a point here, but I think Jesus kind of calls us to do that same thing that he does. He calls us to be obedient. You know, he, he calls us to, to, to be obedient, not to figure it out on our own. You know, not to, not to figure it out on our own, to listen and be obedient and kind of do what we're told. And I think that, you know, he, he, kind, of, he kind of puts that in front of us because that obedience thing, it's not... It's not the weakness of obedience school. It's not the weakness of having to stop to ask for directions. It's really kind of more the gateway 
you know, where he can he can kind of work with you, you know, work with you more and, and use you to do use you to do more things. So God, you know, we just ask you to come be a part of what we have happening, God, and we just uh we thank you that you're patient with us. We thank you that you're okay with telling us things once and then again and then again and again until you, we get it. Because you love us, you know, and, and, you, and you show us those things and you, you don't give up on us. God, thanks for being a part of our lives. and We just love you. Love being around you. Amen. If y'all want to uh, get together and pray with anybody before you leave today, I'd like to get the prayer team up here and uh, invite you guys to come do that. And if not, happy Mother's Day, especially to my wife there, who uh, y'all have no idea what she goes through. <laughs>